When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, I'm down here in Santa Ana in the offices and headquarters of the Aquabats. Their new show comes out March 3rd on The Hub, and I've seen the first two episodes. I watched it with my wife, who you guys all trust as being the smarter half of this relationship. And take it from her, don't even take it from me, but these episodes are awesome. We're down here to promote it. I'm going to be talking to Christian Jacobs, you guys know him as MC Bat Commander, if you're fans of the Aquabats. And of course, if you guys want to follow Geekscape, we're on Facebook. YouTube, Twitter, search for Geekscape, follow us. You guys have any questions for me, just send them to Jonathan at Geekscape.net. So hold on tight, and here comes this episode. So I'm sitting here with Christian Jacobs. Christian, maybe the audience knows you better as MC Bat Commander. Maybe they do. Maybe <laughs> they do. Um, I think, yeah, the, my Christian Jacobs uh, secret identity uh, is not as well known as my MC Bat Commander, but here I am, kids. Yo. Do you ever get tired and think, you know, uh, I can't keep living this double life? You know, like that episode, that, like, you remember that John Romita Sr. cover of, ba- of, Super, of uh, Spider-Man where he has like the trunks and the trash can and he's walking away? Yes. Do you ever feel like yeah, that? Yeah. I, you know, a little, a little bit. Um, I, I think uh, it's fun with the Aquabats because we've been doing it for so long that it's really become like such a part of our lives. I mean, really, you, you know, we started in 1994, and be, being the MC Back Commander for going on 17 years now, it's it's like more than almost more than half of my life, and so. Um, I, there has definitely been times where the costume has neared the trash can and been like, well, we we need to do something else. And, and but um, I think you know we just can't stop doing it. It's just it's too fun. <laughs> has, has it been easier these last couple of years that like people are starting to actually associate you guys with some really successful things like Yo Gabba Gabba and this upcoming Aquabat Super Show? Well, I definitely think, yeah, I mean, Yo Gabba Gabba and the success of Yo Gabba Gabba, definitely, it definitely opened the door for um, a, a fresh look at the Aquabats. And, you know, the Aquabats have been kicking around for so long, and we did, you know, a number of development deals at different studios over the years f- to make the Aquabats Super Show. And, and I think for the most part in the industry, it, it felt like it was a dead project, even though... The Aquabats, we all knew, and I think our fans all knew that, no, this isn't a dead project. So thankfully, with the success of, of Yo Gabba Gabba, that it, it gave people a fresh look, like, oh, wait, maybe there is something there with the Aquabats, and maybe we could trust these guys. Because really, I mean, it, 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 they didn't know. Like People, right. don't, people don't know. Like, they just look at They don't, they, at they don't know weird... until afterwards, and yeah. then they're like, oh, I'm a genius. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Like of course, of course, they. Th- this is something we planned a whole, whole all along. But it, it, it's it's funny. But that's just the way the industry is, and 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 thank thankfully because of the internet and tech. I think really, you know, the internet and technology paved the way for something like this to happen, and for Yo Gabba Gabba too. Because you know, in the past, when we first started doing deals, it, it was like you had to go to the studio. With your idea and beg them for money, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm gonna put this over here. I'm just changing the mics, Geekscapist. Don't worry about it. Don't get crazy. That's, that's fine. Okay, cool. I, I just think in the past, you know, the way that you had to, to go about trying to get something made was you went to the studio and were like, "Please take our idea," and they would say, "Okay," but then they we would can own it. They'll totally own it. Yeah. And if it 
if they don't want to do it, then it goes in the trash can. But but with um, you know with the internet and YouTube and and all that stuff, you, you can go out and make something yourself and put it up, and you get an instant audience. And if you get recognition, I mean, you look at all these internet celebrities or ce- celebrities or whatever, right? That they, they do something funky and are funny on on the internet or or not even that funny i mean like no, annoying some, some of it is just annoying the orange like <laughs> right. what they're, they're that getting get a big? television series and that's based purely on eyeballs the fred movie yeah the exactly i just the, i just read that the director of the fred movie just got something fairly big i think he got the remake of valley girl what yeah he got the remake of valley oh girl but but, but but the kid did work for it like like he's after all the directors went in and pitched to be directors of this new valley girl movie he spent the holidays literally uh, like shooting footage of dance of, of dances and dance numbers put to remixes of these '80s songs, literally to convince I think Warner Brothers or Disney to say, "Listen, I'm I'm the person to do this," and that's what got that's what helped them beat out people wow. who had done bigger musical films. That's awesome. So all props to him. But you're right. Like, how was there a Fred movie to begin with for that guy to direct? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and you got to expect some people are like, "Wait, where these Aquabats guys even come from?" But in all honesty, like I knew about you guys from doing college radio in the late. 90s and then from our friendships you got you geekscapists know from our friendships with uh with um real big fish and other other bands suburban like legends, suburban legends yeah. from this scene um that that you know it's it was just it was literally just a matter of time before geekscape and the aquabats met and, and honestly geekscapists i showed up down here and the mega 64 guys were down here shooting pieces for you guys and your website and your facebook and we sh- we basically shared a wall at, at San Diego Comic Con this past year and became friends because our back wall for each of our booths oh, yeah. were the other with with Mega sixty four and those guys you know, are great. I've known Rocco and Derek and Sean for a long time now, mm-hmm. particularly Rocco, just from from shows. You know, it's been almost over ten years that I've known those guys. And, and those guys have just been coming to your shows and being fans. yeah, just being fans. And then I started noticing what they were doing on on the web, and it's like these guys are they're little geniuses mm-hmm. and. And now, actually, they're they're doing stuff on the show as well. So on the Aquabats Super Show, they've been producing a number of um, fake commercial spots for the yeah. show. So I think they've got seven or eight that they that they've done, and, you and guys, they're super funny. And you guys have thirteen episodes ordered. Thirteen episodes, yep. And for this first season. And honestly, guys, uh, I sat down with Laura and I watched the DVD that they sent me. First two episodes were on it, and one of these Mega sixty four commercials is on the second episode. Yeah. And yeah. I won't spoil it for you, but honestly, I mean, this show is equal mixes of like anime, manga, Sid and uh, Marty Croft, you know, uh, a little, a little bit more uh, uh, Wild Boy and, and Bigfoot yeah, yeah. <laughs> than, exactly. than, than any of. I mean, because <laughs> when you think of Sid and Marty Croft influencing like Yo Gabba Gabba. Yeah, they're definitely like their live action, like Land of the Lost type stuff. Definitely. Or like Lidsville, or like mm-hmm. some of the more like kitty things. It's like crazy Puffin stuff. Definitely influenced. Yeah, HR Puffin every, stuff um, influenced Yo Gabba. Uh-huh. But then some of their other stuff, the weird stuff like Land of the Lost and Bigfoot and Wild Boy, yeah. that's definitely got an influence on the Aquabats for sure. It's so, and then you th- then throw in a bunch of comic books. Like literally, there's no doubt watching this show that Christian and the rest of the Aquabats. I mean, just look at the Aquabats. Period. You know, you know these guys are huge comic book fans. You know, uh, where did that come from? What was your first like comic book? I just, you know, just growing up, um, I don't, I didn't really discover discover comics until about fifth or sixth grade. I read comics as a really young kid, and I was just attracted by the covers. Mm-hmm. So like early on, like um, I would see a cover of something at a Seven Eleven, and back then comic books were super cheap, like right. Fifty cents, and that was your allowance. Like, yeah, like yeah. Your, your dad gives you allowance, you can go and buy three or four of them. Totally, and I would just be attracted by covers like, oh, the, the Fist of Kung Fu. This looks interesting, mm-hmm. or like um, Black Lightning. What's this all about? You know, like just weird, obscure stuff, and you know, horror comics, and you know, Creep Show, mm-hmm. and um, you know, weird stuff. But then. As I got a little older, I started following the teams like X Men and Avengers, Teen and Titans, Teen Titans, and um, you know, or the and then as I got later, the Frank Miller stuff came out with Dark Knight, and, mm-hmm. and then I started really getting into it, and, and I got a lot of really into manga stuff as well, yeah. and anime, and um, but it just it was kind of a natural progression, but I always gravitated towards um, stuff that was visually. Um, interesting or weird and comics personify that yeah. with everything it's weird it's it's out of this world it's loud it's fantasy yeah. it's loud it's in your face and 
particularly those late seventies comics. Like I really, I really liked Ghost Rider as mm-hmm. a kid too, and stuff that was weird, like a, a skeleton riding a motorcycle. Like, <laughs> so awesome, you know. So, yeah, the offices down here, guys, is a collection of like pop culture movie posters. The first poster I saw when I walked in, guys, was that Miyazaki poster from Nausicaa. Uh-huh. And like Miyazaki has a movie coming out in the states this weekend, and I, I literally, yeah, the, it's like a, based on the borrowers. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't even anticipate it. Like it was one of those movies I, I knew of, but I was like, oh, I'll probably just go see Ghost Rider. And and then uh, and then I saw that it was coming out this weekend. I was like, no, I literally have to just clear three hours from my weekend to see this. And my wife better know that this is what I'm doing because yeah. I mean, she she's grown conscious to it. Like she wasn't a geek. Like uh, you know, she met me and she was kind of a horror fan, and she met me when she saw. Like a like a short film that I made, uh, Gay by Dawn, the horror comedy that I made. She she, she saw it and she was like, you know, maybe I'll go out with this guy. <laughs> and, um, and and but but now she's become definitely like a like a full on geek, and she loved these episodes. We we got the first two episodes. She loved them. Awesome. They're so loud and they're so fast and they're crazy. And midway through each episode, guys, there's several cartoons. There's several like he said, fake commercials. If I'm I'm not a fan of Yo Gabba Gabba, uh, not that I hate it, but basically I just don't watch it because it it's not in my demo, right? Yeah, it's for little kids. Like it's for little kids like, and their parents. I'm a fan of it. The, the, my my biggest exposure for Yo Gabba Gabba is my friendship with um, with the guys and uh, who you guys toured with them this. Why is it, why am I blanking on this? You guys toured with them this this summer. Um, um, Jack Antonoff's band. Why am I blanking I on this? Uh, who are we on tour with this summer? Yo Gabba Gabba went out with them. Um, they opened for you guys. Why am I blanking on Jack's band? Uh, we've had it. We've interviewed them on Geekscape before. Shoot. They were on Drive Through. Steel Train. S- Steel Train. Steel Train. Steel Train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steel Train went out Those with you guys. Those guys are awesome. And yeah. that is what got me into Yo Gabba Gabba being like, all right, that and like you'll watch the clips that people that send you of Yo Gabba Gabba, like the funny, like uh, Elijah Woods on Go Gabba Gabba, so you'll watch it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Or you'll watch those funny clips, but as a 30-year-old man, <laughs> you yeah. know, without kids. It, it, it doesn't resonate as hard unless you have kids. I mean, because it, when, once you have kids, you're watching it and you're like, okay, I get it because this right. is what my kid needs and this is also kind of what I need. To watch with my kid, mm-hmm. but then also there's stuff in it like Elijah Wood or Mark Mothersbaugh or Biz Marquis or you know, this season we just wrapped season four, which we were doing at the same time that we were shooting the Aquabats. Are you serious? So it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. How involved are you in Yoga Gabba Gabba? Pretty stuff? involved. I I directed uh, another six episodes this season and wrote seven. You guys shoot down here we in shoot Orange in County da- and Downey. Okay. So I was ba- bouncing back and forth between here and there and never sleeping and. It, it was it was so anyway, the kids you created so so, so so your own children who you created the show for so they could have something to watch you're not even seeing them anymore because you said yeah, i mean hardly, how, how do you yeah. do, how do you make that work it, it's so hard and i see my kids really briefly in the morning um or like really late at night and uh but their father literally is a superhero i think my two-year-old thinks that like literally like literally my father is a superhero yeah. my older kids they're, they're like everything. they're hip to the sarcasm and the irony of the show but they think it's cool as hell they think it's cool they think it's right cool. yeah my, my daughter she's 12 and she she kind of rolls her eyes and is like dad gee but i could tell she thinks it's funny, uh-huh. you know and later on she'll get into it at what point did you guys start because because scott klopfenstein was telling me that you guys were trying to push the aquabat super show for a while and and it just was just not catching on with Hollywood, and all of a sudden, this Yo Gabba Gabba thing happens, and like the door opens, and to- it's like, what totally. do we want to do? Yep, and, and I mean, it's not totally like that because you know, we there's still money to be spent by somebody. And, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you and get also, you know, I think we you know we we bounced around at different studios with the Aquabats, always with like, here's what we want to make help us make it or here's what we want to make what do you think and they'd be like no can you make it a reality show can you make it like this yes and we're like no no we want the anti-reality show we want a show that's so fake it's it's like um police squad or airplane but right. with superheroes and and they're like oh no one was no one's doing that anymore you don't want to do that here's what's hot american idol and by the time you get the show made, it's not going to be hot anymore. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, now it's about the voice. So all those shows wanting to be American Idol that didn't push themselves different enough right. are, are just, like, being stuck underfoot. Exactly. And you got to have a clear voice. So with that, we just got tired of banging our head against the wall, and we went out and independently made Yo Gabba Gabba. And mm-hmm. because we did it ourselves, 
and it was done, you know, we saw what Matt Stone and Trey Parker did with South Park and that they went and made something themselves and mm-hmm. then it it went around and everyone was like, oh, these guys are great. Let's give them a show. Um, the same thing happened with Yo Gabba Gabba. We just did it ourselves and put it up, put clips up on the internet and then people started calling us like, we got to get this show. So it created a buzz. We got picked up and then once we did, we wrapped season one on GABA. We went right into production to do a pilot for the Aquabats, like wow. exactly how we wanted to was do it. Was that the pilot I saw? Was that the first episode I saw or was I that something it, different? It might have been something different. Did, you didn't see the one with the giant tortilla. No, my, mine had Manant. You, yeah, Manant is actually the first episode of the season, but we had, we had a pilot that was previous to that. So there's some clips of the pilot in the... In the media that I got that, that we hamburger do, like, thing? like previously on the Aquabats yeah. for each, before each show. Including That's all, the first episode? Yeah, including the first episode, <laughs> which will show clips from the pilot. Right. And so we made that. It was, it was called the Aquabats Super Show. There's some clips on the internet of yeah. it, um, the old intro for mm-hmm. it. Um, you can see it on YouTube. But, but um, with that, we passed it around, and because of Yo Gabba Gabba, it was real hot for a second. And then... I think people got cold feet and we're like, oh, it's too crazy. It's, it's too, too crazy. Right. And so luckily what happened was with the hub is there was a guy named Ted Biaselli who actually worked for <clears throat> Disney. Um, and he, he works there now or he works, he at, works at the hub. But yeah. He, he works at the at hub Disney. now. He worked at his. And when Yogaba came out, he was the first guy to call us mm-hmm. and he worked for a different company. Right. But he, he called us and said, come in, have a meeting. We went and sat with that place in Burbank that right. has a mouse uh-huh. and we watched the show and Ted was like he wasn't the boss but he was like he's one of your biggest proponents yeah he was like this we got to do this show right. and they, Disney said you know it's not really Disney and to their credit it's not it's not really right. a Disney show what's the story on the hub like are they small and enough so, that they can take risks yeah or that's what? what it is and so Ted was like oh and so when he left Disney to go to the hub uh-huh. he called us right away and said Aquabat Super Show I want it right and he's like i you know, I don't care. Yo Gabba Gabba slipped through my fingers. I'm not letting you get <laughs> He's a villain. Yeah, no, he's a villain. Exactly. Damn you, Aquabats. He, he, he captured us. Because so. the, 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 Yo, the Yo Gabba Gabba story is crazy because I, I read, and let me know if this is true or not, but Jared Hess, the director of Napoleon Dynamite and my favorite movie of all time, Nacho Libre. Um, Nacho that. Libre is phenomenal. Yeah, it's great. Where is he? <laughs> he lived a, a good life. It's polarizing Absolutely. Some people hate it or some people love it. I, I'm one of the lovers of that. You movie. have to be. The, the summer that we shot that Suburban Legends movie uh video for please come back home uh-huh. we shot that down here uh, off of like bellflower and it's me chasing around my or no it was me and my dog cheese my, my pug and events from from uh suburban legends running around and i remember the night after we finished shooting i went and saw napoleon oh, I, I went yeah. no i went to see uh nacho libre for nacho like the libre. third time <laughs> and i think i was the only person that summer that went to see that that ever saw that movie in theaters three times I saw it twice but it was phenomenal the theaters but you know, great. how could I not love that movie? I'm half Mexican. My brother's a pro wrestler, and I mean that movie. That movie. Yeah, that movie was my. That movie about, was my roots. I think this says something about you know Mexican culture in Southern California. But yeah. I went and saw that movie, and the theater was packed with you know Latin Americans. Yeah. And people were howling and like laughing. And, yeah. Like, the lead actor was uh, a know, white a dude. white guy. <laughs> Playing a Mexican and people were stoked. And playing a Mexican, like if a white dude did that with a black exactly. character, you, you, you would be well, burning the theater down. It, maybe like Robert Downey Jr. walked the line a little bit yeah. with, because he was playing a white guy playing a black playing guy. A black guy, but it, it would be a different story, definitely. right? But but at the same time, like, I, I but just, they love that stuff. They love like Ch- Chapolin. Yeah, yeah. Like I went to. Like, I, I, I like when you can make fun of your culture and, the, and it's okay. The Chapolin thing. I dressed as Chapolin. For Halloween a couple years ago, nobody knew who I was. Uh-huh. And I was like, nobody knows who you are. Like, we don't know if you're the B guy from The Simpsons or what. I was like, no, I'm, I'm what, I'm what it was. I'm the, I'm original. the original. Like, five Latinas walk up. And they're like, yeah! They, and, and I'm like, and, and my wife is like, what is going on here? There's some nasty fetish with, like, Latina girls wanting to do a 60-year-old man in a grasshopper outfit. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Dude. Um, so is that, true? is that true that Jared Hess well, so was the dude who saw it and was like, you got to do it? Because he made Dr. Libre for Nickelodeon. So, Nickelodeon films. Uh, my partner on the sh- on Yo Gabba, sorry, I bumped the mic. That's cool. So my partner on the show, Yo Gabba Gabba, is my buddy Scott Schultz. He also is an executive producer on Aquabats, creator of the show. He directed a couple episodes. Is that correct? Of, Did um, I see that? Aquabats or Yo Gabba Gabba? Yeah, Aquabats. Uh, no, not who's directing those. Um, a guy named Jason DeBilliers and Matt Chapman. Because they're killing the Chapman it. Chapman Brothers. They're killing they're, it. They're doing. They're directing the show. 
Um, you know, and I'm helping out a little bit. But oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Don't forget me. Yeah. Me too. But, uh, Scott, <laughs> Scott, his cousin John went to school with Jared, mm-hmm. and when Jared was making Napoleon Dynamite, he went. He came. To, he went to John and John's, um, you know, business partner, a guy named Christian Demke. And this is a behind-the-scenes story. And said, "Hey, we're making this movie. Do you guys want to invest and help me make this movie, Napoleon Dynamite?" Oh man! And they said, "Nah." Oh no! Nah. We're, oh. we're everyone wants to be a director, and and I think they're, they're still friends with Jared, and we're we're all good friends with them. But th- that's how I met Jared was through those guys. They could have made millions. And so when we came, we went to John, you know, John and Christian later went on and partnered up to make you know a successful. Um, Home service industry, I guess you could say, pest control. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and, and we went to them, and we're like, we want to make the show, Yo Gabba Gabba. We pitched it around to different people that we knew had some business savvy and some money, and we pitched it to our our friend John, Scott's cousin. And John was like, Jared presented me with an opportunity for Napoleon. I turned it down. I'm not turning down this one. Right. So John and Christian came in to be executive producers and basically find the funding to make the pilot for Yo Gabba Gabba. And they're a part of it now. Yeah, they're, they're executive producers. And and so then you slipped through once my fingers made, once, but like everybody, you guys slipped through so many fingers. Yeah, and once we made the pilot, they sent one to Jared, and Jared was doing something with Nickelodeon, yeah. Nacho Libre, and yeah. he sent a copy of it to Brown Johnson, the head of Nickelodeon, is like, you, you got to get this show. And that's how it got and to And that's, that's one of the Roughly. reasons, yeah. Now, how much of it took, like, are you frustrated that you guys sometimes can't just jump in the van and go tour, like, the old, like, at what point is music kind of, I mean, how do you keep the balance is really the question. Is it frustrated? Well, as, the Aquabats, we've always been one of those bands that, like, if we tour at all, it's a little bit. Right. Like, a little bit a year. Even back in the day, we, we never were big big fans of touring not because we don't like playing shows we love playing shows it's just touring is rough Mm -hmm. and you know you look at bands like and real big fish and the aquabats we were like buddies we were buddies and we were also a little bit of rivals like they got they were the first to kind of get signed out of our like uh, the second tier ska bands did you get mad area not mad, but just but like, like, hey, wait a second, you know. Because you used to pick on Scott as a kid. Well, that's that's true. That's a different story. I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you that story in a second. But 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 so th- but those guys went out and they just tour like three hundred days out of the year. Like right. they're insanely touring, and that's awesome. But I think for the Aquabats, for what we do, I think that would have broken us up a mm-hmm. long time ago. Because you guys were shedding members left and right yeah, almost for, for a period there, and your own labels thought that your production was too expensive to put on. Like it wasn't. Didn't Golden Voice use that as an excuse for like, hey, no, you're, you're, no, like, Golden Voice was always real supportive. You know, you know, everything you guys with, wanted to do with the live show and everything. Yeah, yeah, they, they were super supportive of, but you know, at the time, Golden Voice was an independent company. Mm-hmm. Um, they're independently owned. And they wanted to start a label, and you know Paul Tillet, who does Coachella and Golden Voice, he came to us and said there was a band I wanted to start a label with, you know, five years ago, and they were no doubt, and I didn't do it. And I see you guys, and I think this is going to be big someday. I want to start a label. So he started a label around the Aquabats, and we were like, yes, you know, Golden Voice, our favorite, you know, punk rock label since I was a kid, and they're so great. And um, Paul, they were awesome. But what happened was, is Paul. A year into our, our deal, Paul um, invested in a little something called Coachella. Oh, wow. And the first Coachella happened, and it it was kind of a bomb. Yeah. Financially, he basically, like, he put everything into it. But he it, kept the faith. And, but he kept the yeah. faith. And he, he, he really lost his shirt on that first Coachella, and that's what, that's what happened to the label. And so Nitro. Like, so the I, label yeah. closed down because of Coachella, and then he stuck with it, and now it's the biggest right. festival You've got to have you guys back to play. We played it. Yeah, we played when did it you last guys play? Year. Last year you guys yeah, played it? Yeah. Um, and then you guys put out an album on, uh, so we, two on we, Nitro. Yeah. We, and then what happened there? So with Nitro... So everybody, you keep slipping through people's fingers. Yeah. And, it, and it has to be frustrating for you after a while because you've got kids. You've got, you know I mean? You've got a family. You've got this group that's been together since the early 90s. At what point are you like, man, like how... You know, at what point do you say, I'm Peter Parker. I'm going to throw the Spider-Man outfit in the trash. I'm going to walk away. Because there must have been moments, Christian, where you, totally, like, I mean, where totally. you were like, what am I doing? When the Golden Voice deal... Went went belly up because the label went belly up. That was really hard for the band. Like we, we almost broke up. Right. And um, we, we kind of really phoned it in. We all had to get you know real jobs and 
support our families. And, and Travis Barker was your drummer. He went off to yeah, Blink. Blink that, that was at the same. It was happened at the same time. Were you guys so happy for him? Or Travis did it leave left, you in alert? and then Floating Out of Death came out with a different drummer, and then the the label went up, and mm-hmm. we were. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I was, I, of course, I was bitter. Like right. I was bitter because I, I had a grander vision for what the Aquabats could be, and um, it's hard. It's hard when someone as talented as Travis. It's hard. I, and when he, he doesn't young. leave. It? Yeah, he doesn't really. He didn't he really was, what, see 20, the vision. Twenty one, twenty two. He was, way, he was, he was really. Young. He was nineteen. Like wow. he was a kid, and so, um, and he was so talented. And every, it'd be funny because we'd play showcase shows for. Um, labels and labels would be i'd be like so what did you think of the show and they'd be like hmm yeah you have a good drummer oh no <laughs> like it was all oh, yeah. about travis so i'm stoked for travis like yeah he you know he's gone through his own journey in his life and he's it, had some tough times recently yeah I mean, with to- that, that plane accident and everything. totally it's been like, rough so uh and and we're st- we still we're still in contact but i'll you tell guys you play, you guys play bit shows yeah for a while yeah. i was pretty bitter about the whole deal because it just the way it happened it was real high school and Right, but it makes sense. We were all young; like mm-hmm. he was a young guy, didn't really know how to handle that, and he went on to be a rock star. And we were trying to do something totally different, and and um, and that's cool. It's all it all works right. out. It, it isn't all that, works isn't, out. Isn't that crazy? Because because I, I think what I've been saying is there have been so many times when 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 you have this singular well, not a singular vision. You've had you've had your bandmates, but you, you I mean, you guys have been trying to keep this for so long, and now in the last five years. The the wall that you've been smacking across against the bricks are finally starting to fall out. Yeah, you know, and it must feel amazing. It, it's it's really surreal because I mean, if you can imagine doing something for uh, over a decade that you're and you're just banging your head against the wall, and then suddenly the wall is not there mm-hmm. anymore. It, it's really weird, and I have those moments every day on set. Like we'll, we'll be like on the ground being <laughs> being beaten by a monster. Or like, <laughs> People throwing rocks in our face, like, cut, you know, and then I'll go, this is awesome. Right. It's freezing cold. I'm in my rash guard. It's 2 a.m. We're still up. shooting. We're still shooting. People uh, are throwing rocks in my eyes, and I'm like, this is what I always dreamed of. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a couple questions from the Geekscapists. Uh, Shane O'Hare, who I think interviewed you guys this summer in San Diego, is one of our writers and Geekscapists, and he asks, um, A, he lives in Alaska. When are you guys going to go to Alaska? I think with Golden Voice, there's a chance. Um, uh, we've we've talked about it for years because I know Golden Voice, Paul, and those guys they do shows in Alaska mm-hmm. from time to time, and it's just the timing hasn't been right. And the the reason being, it's just the band hasn't been right. big enough. We're not we're not big enough. Because I think you guys should do an episode where the Aquabat plane goes down, and it's basically the gray, yes. but with the Aquabats. Yeah. In it, but it has an ending. Never cry wolf with the Aquabats. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see you guys run around naked. <laughs> That was my first like full nude. I'm sitting in the theater with my dad, and there's a naked dude running around. <laughs> Remember that? Chasing wolves. Chasing yeah. wolves. I haven't seen the gray yet, but oh, no, never, uh, cry never cry wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's running around that. naked. Yeah, I remember. Do you, do you want your? That's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, and then and so 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 he, the other thing he has like we your Church of Latter Day Saints still yes and uh, and I heard that you guys were straight edge and I'm straight edge, but in all honesty, you guys are just Mormon. Yeah, Is that well, true? like I mean, I definitely identified with straight edge growing up, um, because because of my beliefs. You yeah, because I don't. Because already you were you were kind of walking this line, and, yeah. then, and now you have and a so part of the like, scene. Yeah, to... you know those straight edgers and right. minor thread and like youth of today and all those guys that they believe what I believe. You know, and, you know, walking a straight straight line. And... But as a grown up, do you really call yourself straight edge anymore? Because I stopped. Not really. I stopped really doing it in like my mid twenties. Uh-huh. But I'm still straight edge. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't really say I'm straight edge. I think people just this know, mic keeps just, this mic keeps he's flying to the. It, it doesn't want to stay. It's pointed at your mouth. It's cool. Um, but but you went on a you went on your mission mm-hmm. to Japan. How much did, did Japan influence uh, like the style that we see right now? You know what I mean? Because because I mean like like Kid Robot is doing graphics for Yo Gabba Gabba and designs for stuff. I mean, how's you, that better? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get a little it. higher. Get it. Yeah, no, and, and over here because like when you turn to me, it, it you turn away from it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. But you know Good. what I mean? Like like yes. you're, like you spent two years in Japan on a mission, mm-hmm. and I mean you must have been in heaven with some of that stuff. Yeah, it's a different. It was a different. Um, 
it was a different experience uh, because before I think before I left for Japan, I was really into skateboarding. I was really into music. I was mm-hmm. really into film and video, and I was obviously into manga and an anime. Anime. That's how you're supposed <laughs> to pronounce it. Like, yeah. Anime. You know. Anime. I'm Kara- pro- I'm karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> Karaoke. You know. So, but like when I went to Japan, it was like it was totally a different thing, and I didn't really haven't spend any time or very much time at all like digging into pop culture Mm -hmm. it was i was really focused on missionary work and service and and i think as a missionary you just the idea is to lose yourself in 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 the work and and helping other people and teaching about you know your beliefs and really trying to follow the example of jesus christ basically and and like helping you know living your life for right. somebody else and and i think and you learned i learned the language in the meantime so getting there i was all pumped like i'm gonna check out all these things and i'm gonna do all this stuff and get all the comic books i always wanted and it, it like totally shifted because mm-hmm. um i did i just all that stuff became really less important to me right and I think that was great because it's still I still like all that stuff. Sure. It's great, but it, it really became one of those things where, like, be, you know, being a good human and being a good person and uh, really no, knowing who you are and caring about other people, being coming compassionate and being less selfish, like all that stuff. It was like a big growth period for me, and I think that's the most valuable thing I got. But what what happened was I really be fused with the Japanese culture in the way that I learned how to communicate with them. And so I realized what they were saying, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, I realized all, all around the world, everyone's heart, we're all the same. We all want to be happy. We all want to be loved and we all want to love other people. And we, we, everyone has the, the goal to be happy. You right. know? Everyone wants to be happy and be content and taken care of. And, um, but in learning a lot about the, about Japanese culture, there's stuff that we, in American culture, look at and think like that's so weird, that's right. so Japanese. But it started things started clicking and making a lot more sense. And obviously, my love for the Japanese people is is just huge. So when I did finally finish my mission and I came back, that's when I was like, okay, it's on. And I started like <laughs> really getting into um, reading books and collecting stuff mm-hmm. and um, collecting toys. I'll show you my office afterwards. It's okay. just covered with Japanese toys. So. Um, and, like and Ultraman figures, Ultraman, and Gajira, and Godzilla, and Rodan, and, and all that. Common Rider and all that stuff. And um, I, I just, I just love Japan. And so th- when this earthquake happened last year, that that was where I lived was in literally in Sendai. I lived wow. in Sendai. Um, I lived in F- um, Fukushima where the power plant was. I lived in oh all God. those cities on that coast, the top coast. Yeah. So that it was really a struggle for me last year because I really wanted to go. And at the same time, we were we were shooting uh, Yo Gabba Gabba, and it, I couldn't break away. Um, were you guys able to organize any kind of yeah, fundraising we, we, for your fans? Or? We um, did some fundraising just privately. I just did mm-hmm. some private fundraising. Right. And um, we wanted to do an Aquabats thing, but just the schedule didn't work out. Um, but, you know, that's what's rad about the Japanese people is, like, they're just super resilient. And mm-hmm. their island has been like the focus of attack for centuries. Right. People always trying to invade it or take it over or, you know, maybe they're trying to take over someone else and they get punched in the mouth by, you know, World War II. But it's built their identity. But they're always always rebuilding. Mm -hmm. Like we can rebuild. And you look at a lot of their themes in in their shows, whether it's Godzilla or it's, you know, uh, Kamen Rider or Ultraman, it's always about something – it's threatening mm-hmm. and it's always about overcoming and like right. rebuilding. Like we can rebuild and we can make this, we can make it through this. And, yeah. and, and also a lot of ecological messages. Yeah. Like that, in that Miyazaki same, yeah. stuff, it's all ecological. And, and, and even Godzilla being, being like nature's revenge. Yeah. You know, but, but it, it, nature will overcome anything you build. Yep. Right. Um, and that's rooted also in, in a lot of Buddhist um, and Zen thought, and and right. that that was also something awesome about being on a mission too, is uh, like learning about other religions and other cultures and the way other people think, and not trying to change people's mm-hmm. point of view. It was more about opening my, broadening my horizons. At the end, I think isn't that know, crazy? Because your goal you is to go it, out there yeah. and to like help people learn about what you do and 
try to convert people, but mm-hmm. in the end, you're the one that ends up opening up to everything. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you get, I, I got really content and solidified my beliefs. And yet at the same time, it also opened up, expanded my understanding and my acceptance. And it was good. It was a, it was a really good experience. And I got to learn Japanese and speak <laughs> Japanese. And I, I, I love Japan. I got, right. We got to go back as, with the band. We went back with The Offspring in 2005 and we mm-hmm. did a tour. It was, the, it was the best tour ever. It was so good. <laughs> it was so fun. Like that was our best tour for sure in Japan. Yeah. Do you guys know about this band? Uh, what is it? Peel, I don't even know how to pronounce this, Shane. Uh, Peelander Z? P. Lander Z, yeah. yeah these, guys, these guys like love you guys. Yeah, they're awesome. I, and we, we've, we wanted to, we've always tried to do a tour with them, and there's, it's always been something got in the way, but we're going to try to tour with mm-hmm. them, I think, this next year. But I met the guy, the singer of um, P. Lander Z um, in New York, and he came out to one of our shows, and he was like, oh, we've got to do this show. And then we spoke <laughs> in Japanese and rapped about it, and he was like, oh, you speak Japanese? Yeah! And your you know? Japanese is still good, and right? And he's missing a tooth. And, and you fake missing and a tooth. And I have fake missing a tooth. So we're brothers! You know, it was, it was pretty cool. So, um, What was the first album you ever bought with your own money? That's a great question. What do you think? Uh, it, it was... Um, It was, I think it was Nothing to Fear, Oingo mm-hmm. Boingo, Nothing to Fear. Mm-hmm. I think, or no, it could have been um, Freedom of Choice from Devo. Mm-hmm. It was one of those two. There was a licorice pizza by my house, which was like an old record store. And we used to go into the licorice pizza because they, cause it was licorice pizza, they had free licorice. Wow. So you could go in there and buy a record. And they don't like, give you free pizza, but they'll give you free licorice. Yeah, you could get like a free piece of licorice. So... We would just go in the record store and just take licorice and then mm-hmm. leave. You know, we'd ride our skateboards or our bikes over there. And then by going into the record store, I started noticing all this stuff. It's like these visual things. And it was right around the time of like the punk rock explosion and stuff started coming out, like late 70s, early 80s. And stuff started getting really visually striking and, and Devo. And um, I remember we they had free stuff by the door and um, – we would get records because people would put their demos, right. like their singles, by the door like a flyer. And mm-hmm. you could take like, take this home and listen to it. And I remember we would take records and we would like just basically use them as Frisbees or throw them at oh, cars. Yeah. <laughs> and then you finally put one on. <laughs> yeah, and I finally put one on. And one of the records, we got a stack of them. And it was Black Flag. Wow. Um, Black Flag's first um Pressing of their uh, oh, those, seven w- those wouldn't be valuable. Those things they were be, smashing like against the wall. dollars each now. <laughs> you guys were throwing and them we, in traffic. We went to a parking structure, <laughs> and we were throwing them off the parking structure and breaking them against cars. You think about all the Star Wars toys you guys lit on fire? Se- seriously, yeah. So we had the Black Flag seven inch, Nervous Breakdown seven inch. And we were throwing them off this bank parking structure, crashing them into cars, and we went home and listened to it. And I was stoked on it, but my neighbor friend, his older brother had a record player. His, um, we were playing it, and his, he comes in, and he's like, what is this crap? And he took a hammer, and he smashed it. Oh, and, my God. And we thought that was pretty cool. Like, oh, he smashed it. That's he is a, punk rock. He's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but we had no con- conception of what punk rock was. Right, we were just right. kids. And, but then we started noticing things, and then my friend's brother listened to a lot of bands like you know the tubes and squeeze and mm-hmm. new wave punk bands like Devo. He had all the Devo records. I love the and, tubes. Yeah, they were great. Whatever happened to them? I don't know. St- I think they're still playing shows. But but isn't, so it, then, isn't that crazy? It is so, it's one of those things where it comes on like you're serious or somebody who'll still play the tubes like a, yeah. like a satellite radio, and you're like, "Who are these guys?" And you'll Google them, and you'll see that they're still playing like a bar in and Huntington Beach. The Tubes was one of those bands that did crazy stuff yeah. live, too. So being exposed to bands like The Tubes and Devo and Oingo Boingo, which had this like th- theatrical theme, yeah. like, I immediately gravitated towards those right. kind of bands. And even with punk, because it was weird, because I got into New Wave first, and then I got really into hardcore punk after New Wave. And it, I always liked the bands that were more th- fun, theatrical, yeah. Yeah. like The Vandals uh-huh. or... You know, they they had any of the ska bands because they had a misfits. Whole I love the misfits, of yeah. course, because they were so theatrical and mm-hmm. it, they had makeup, almost things, silly, yeah. you know. But it was still raw, right? And, um, but but you so, just like shiny things, is what I'm learning. <laughs> like, I do. Like, hey, uh, comics, look, look at my office. That's like shiny things. <laughs> yeah, eye candy, you know. So, but uh, it was one of those. It was either 
Freedom of Choice or Nothing to Fear. Um, and it was a, I bought it on cassette. That's crazy. Yeah. And now you guys are making your own theatrical shows. And, and, and I mean, guys, honestly, like, I, I don't want to harp too much on it because then you guys won't believe me. But people do ask to come on Geekscape, and sometimes I'm just like, eh, I don't think the Geekscape will be interested in this. You know what I mean? And honestly, March 3rd, uh, you guys should set your DVRs, uh, the hub. It, this show is insane. And I'm not just saying that because these guys run around in costumes and I spend majority of my uh, extra income on comic books and I love guys in costumes. This show is insane and it's a lot of fun and it's exactly as I described it. A mixture of comic books, anime, uh, just uh, Sid and Marty Croft, live action craziness, and then a ton of humor. You guys, the, the directing's really good, dude. Like the stuff that you guys do, the beats are hilarious. Well, and that took a little it's just time personality. too. It's tons of personality. In this yeah, show. it's funny, and it's getting better. I think every episode we get better and better. And the guys, you know, we had Matt Walsh from Upright Citizens mm-hmm. Brigade. I don't know, you know, yes, Matt Walsh. Yes. So before he's a, really, we, he's a good director in himself. He's yeah, about he's, to, he's great. about to do his first feature. I, I, I heard about that. So Matt came down, and we paid Matt to do like a crash course in comedy acting because uh-huh. we've been doing live stuff for a long time and like riffing back and forth between the crowd. That's one thing, but I think. The rest of the band was a little concerned, like, oh, man, how are we going to do this? Like, yes. we have to do a TV show. And there's show. a Scooby-Doo element with the van and, yeah. and you guys being, the, like, you a, know, an ensemble. For sure. And the other guys, you know, they, we were all kind of panicking, like, are we going to be able to pull this off? So we had Matt come down, and basically he taught us a lot of stuff, like, about improvisation and being in the moment and um, the yes-and exercises that you do as a... In, to, not end, to not end the scene it's like yes, exactly and then yes exactly yeah, yeah. It, did you see that south park documentary a couple weeks ago and in, uh, in, in trey, trey parker when he was writing said instead of saying and this is the end of the scene say this happens so this happens therefore this happens right and it just yes, makes it a, and, it makes yes, it a stronger and, yeah. story and we practiced doing that as a band and um with matt walsh and mm-hmm. for a couple days and He's incredible. He's great and yeah. super good and super funny and it helped out tr- tremendously. But, but then even then, I think uh, those seeds that he planted took a little time for them to grow. Mm-hmm. And so as the as the episodes are getting better and better, like I think we're getting better as actors too. And it's, it's pretty funny. Like it, it's for kids, but you watch it and it's like this is kind of for just geeks, you know? This I, isn't for just kids. It's for everybody that loves wacky stuff. Just fun. It, it, yeah, it's fun. It's wacky and. It's it's pretty it's clean because you know again it's for kids. But but you get those shows guys and and, and you see them on, on Adult Swim sometimes or you see them on on Comedy Central and sometimes they just want to be funny because they're weird. You know yeah. those shows and it's like oh this will be funny because it's weird and it's not funny because it's it's not funny. It is weird but it's not funny. Well that's the one thing is and like this show literally is weird and but it's but it's centered in being funny first. Right. I, I appreciate random stuff and I appreciate random shows. But you know but where it gets tired. It, yeah, if you don't care about the characters and right. this is where, you know, I'm going to go out on limb and maybe not be very popular. <laughs> but like that's why I have a hard time with Family Guy. Like That is the criticism. I don't it? care about those characters. Right. In fact, I wish they would just go away because they're not nice. Like there, there's nothing redeemable about their their qualities. And just to be like crass for crass sake or weird for weird sake, without any kind of like right. connective tissue, there's no connectivity there. Right. It's just hard for me to watch personally. You know what's crazy? I the the script for Ted that Seth MacFarlane wrote. It's this feature that he that he did. With, it's coming out soon with uh, with uh, who's in it? Like Giovanni Brisi, Mark Wahlberg. Uh, it, it's about a kid who's. You know, has a teddy bear from as a kid and grows up with it, and it's real. Uh-huh. Couldn't be a funnier script. It's a fantastic script. I think that movie's going to be hilarious. The, and, the Ted script. Yeah, and I am one of those people who watch Family Guy and say, "Come on, man, turn it off." Like, like I, I, I'm not into this. Yeah, you I hope I, mean? I hope it's good. But Seth, he's directing. He, he directed it and he wrote it, and, oh. the, and the script was amazing. Yeah. And well, and uh, and and I have that same. I'm not saying of he's not guy. funny. Right, I just. Right. Think, you got you to gotta have some kind of like... Ba- something's got to anchor the emotional and core it's of it. You have to be invested. And emotional. And, you know, on the, the show, we had um, Donnie McKiley, who was a writer for SpongeBob for 10 years. Yes, there's tons of elements he of it came, in there. Yeah. He came and uh, was a story editor on the show. Mm-hmm. So we all would sit in this room and just pitch ideas. And he would be the guy that was like, okay... We have crazy ideas. But where's our end? You have random, yeah. but where's the arc? Where, right. Who do we care about? And, and he was really great at helping to steer that boat. And that's the, that's the difference between a comic book 
really, guys, and something that you like a comic book, you pace yourself. If it's not working for you, you read faster. You turn the page faster. When you're watching TV or film, it's different. Like you guys had Evan Dorkin do some designs on, yeah. on uh, in, in reading Milk and Yo, Cheese. Gabba, Gabba. Yeah. Reading Milk and Cheese is phenomenal, but it's one book and it's quick, and you're into it because it's quick and it's over. It is just anarchy with these two, yeah. you know, products. You read his writing on um, what's the one he does about the the, the, dog. the dogs? Yeah. You read his. Uh, it's called his, the. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I bought that 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 hardcover one. Beasts of Burden. Beasts of Burden. You They're see, great. You, you yeah. read Beasts of Burden that he does with Jill Thompson's artwork. In each of those dogs has a distinct personality. The cat has a distinct personality. I've been telling you guys for over two years probably to, to read Beasts of Burden from Dark Horse. Evan Dorkin writes it, and yeah, he's the same guy who does Milk and Cheese, but Milk and Cheese is just just nonstop anarchy. Beast of Burden is phenomenal, and it's emotional, and it's fun. The thing with the Aquabat Super Show, you, each of these guys has their own personality, each of their guys have their own roles in the team, and it is pop, bubblegum, but there, there, I mean, there's a part where you're like, oh, he feels sad, or oh, he feels bad that his friends are ridiculing him because he's just a robot, or he's yeah. the big guy, or he, you know what I mean? There, there's those, those little moments, and yes, they're played with Scooby-Doo type of broad strokes, <laughs> yeah. but 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 you're not going to hate them for it. You know what I mean? Because right. because it's it's sin- the, the sincerity. That's what we're telling you guys. It's sincere. Does that make sense? Are yeah. you guys going to set your DVRs to March third, or, or is all you guys watch anymore is Walking Dead? <laughs> is that all you guys watch anymore? A bunch of dudes talking for uh, fifty minutes, and then all of a sudden there's a zombie. <laughs> That, that's funny because what we were talking about Walking Dead, we compare this show to Walking Dead a lot because uh, the first season happens is so show. epic. The Stuff first like happens in your show. The four, the four or five episodes of the first season yeah. are so amazing, but it's like that's where all their budget went. There, yeah. there goes their budget, and then the next. Half of the season is guys sitting around talking about stuff. I love the low budget sincerity of your show, and it, and it doesn't even look like it's that low budget because there's so much production that has to go into that stuff. It is, but like the cardboard looking sets and this and the, and the fake cheats, like that stuff is hilarious. But this, I mean, that's a huge production. Yeah, it's big, and but you it's guys are the cheap. Walking Dead of of gum of like gumball TV shows. Well, we <laughs> we we're we're trying to make it look like. We have a budget, but we're Putting trying to be low budget. Yeah. But we're, we're but it, it is pretty low budget. Like you know, we have a smaller budget on this show than we do on Yo Gabba Gabba. Yeah. And Yo Gabba Gabba is super easy to make. Did you guys always have a, small, a big budget on or a bigger budget on Yo Gabba Gabba? I mean, didn't you guys have to go through that first season of like, mm, hey, what's this going to be? I think this first season budget is about the same as our right. this season. So, so, so once you're the, right. once this is a huge hit and all the geekscapers watch it, like we've been telling them to, like. The, they're going to get a bigger budget. And it's then, possible, yeah. but you know it's tricky because in you TV, want, do you want in movies, I, like you the, have to justify. It's like you have to keep the success. JJ Abrams gets right. this budget, and first time never done anything guy gets this budget. Right. The middle ground between film and TV budgets, it's it's going away. Mm-hmm. It's like. It's like, like the record it's industry. It's our country. It's like the middle class is the, disappearing. The record industry is like that. I remember Scott Klopfenstein, when he, like, before he left Real Big Fish, I was like, well, how'd that summer tour go? He goes, unless you're the Jonas Brothers, you don't make money on tour. Yeah, you know, hard. And, like There is the Jonas Brothers and Katy Perry, and then there's everyone else. Yeah. And then there's the band who plays the show down the block at your local bar. And you're right, TV's like that. You, think, you like that the pressure's... Is the pressure off with the budget that you guys are working off? And do you like that because you guys are loose? No, the pressure, the pressure is on because we, okay. I think we have our standards and what mm-hmm. we want to do. Like, what we want to do and what, have, what, what, what we can do is yeah. two different things. Right. And, and so we kind of end up with some middle ground with like, okay, here's what we want to do, but we can't because of the budget. So that's what the show ends up being is some kind of middle ground between what we really want to do. Creative solutions come out of that. Yeah. You guys are enjoying that. You know, we've, we've had that pitch to us before. It's like, you know, <laughs> you guys get more creative when you don't have a budget. I'm like, I don't you, care. You, give me a budget. You'll see how creative I can get. Here is the thing though. It's 2 a.m. You yeah. know what I mean? It's 2 a.m. And you're trying to find that solution. Yeah. They're like, like after a weekend of rest and you're asked to be creative, you know, I was telling my wife about an, uh, like a rewrite I'm working on. And I was like, you know what? I kind of just wanted to come at me, come to me at a stoplight. But I know it won't come to me at a stoplight. It'll only come to me if I type pages after pages of crap, yeah. and then it comes to That's me. That's how it comes. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, and it so takes time. And it time just takes is time. money. Yeah. And, and you know that's the big thing on the show is just is just the, the time. If we had more time, mm-hmm. um, there was literally episodes we were trying to shoot in three days. And you're a director, so you know. But like when you get to the set 
and your, your director has a, sh- a shot list of a hundred shots in a day. Yeah. It's just not possible. No. And so we would have to split the crew in half and say, okay, you, you know how those. to run a camera? Get these shots. And what we get back sometimes was good, sometimes was yeah. not so good. Like we, 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 the... we had our LD shooting stuff for our second unit, uh-huh. just like whatever just lighting designer, like yeah. our, our lighting guy can run a camera. So go shoot all day and shoot the inserts of a rock. Yeah, shoot the inserts of something it, getting exactly. Picked up. And we would just hope they looked good. And and that's been really where the creativity is coming in. Is you're right at two a.m. in front of your computer. But on Final Cut, just how trying to, to fix this. how we're going to fix this. I mess. can't afford the dude to put it into After Effects. How can I fix it? Literally with just Final Cut. I uh, I gave a second camera to uh, I I love him, uh, my buddy Pete uh, on Wind Ninjas Attack. I gave, I was like, here's a camera. Here are eight ninjas. Take them somewhere in the, else in the park and just shoot them doing ninja stuff. Yeah. And 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 Pete is amazing. He shoots all the PG porn stuff for James Gunn. Oh yeah. Have you? And, and the dude is just super creative. And so he brought back footage, and I was like, man, this stuff's better than what I shot. <laughs> What's great is, it'll still be my name. <laughs> Diabolical <laughs> evil. Yeah. And he, he's like, so what do you think? I was like, it's pretty good, man. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. And, and, I, and he knows, yeah, yeah. and I know, it's better than what that's I shot. It's better, yeah. yeah <laughs> Why didn't good. I just write this stuff? Well, and that's, you know, whenever you do something creative, whether it's a band or a show, it's always best to surround yourself with people that are better than you. And I right. feel like that way about everyone that we work with. And even in the band, like, I think all those guys are way better musicians than I am. Like, everyone I work with, they're all way better technicians than mm-hmm. I am. And I think, you know, my value is just in, just rah, 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 yeah, we, yeah. we can do this. This is the, this is the plan. That's, let's do that's it. the thing I'm good You're at. MC Bat Commander. Come on, guys, let's do it together. And that's funny, because that plays out in the show. Like, right. everyone has some special powers on the show except for the bat commander and we deliberately did that because that's really the way i feel is like everyone is this magical special being except for me but my one thing i'm good at is just like we can do it you know let's go for it (laughs) (laughs) my one thing is i can tell people what to do (laughs) and 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 then when people tell you what to do you don't listen wait a second (laughs) you don't listen no 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 that's not what we're gonna do so (laughs) that's my special power is just uh my own will. That's it. So, but that that's funny in the show too, and that plays into the back commander's insecurity as well on the show in later episodes. That everyone has something special they can do except for him, and then you know that that's what's fun about the show is we could play around with our characters a little bit and, and add some dimension even in a kids show because you know even now in this day and age, kids are smart. Yeah, They've always been about. smart, and to just like give them stuff like Power Rangers, which is like. I mean, that's for really little kids. Right. Like, if you're three years old or four years old, Power Rangers is awesome. But once you get start getting smarter, six, seven, eight, like, that stuff is stupid. Like, it's it doesn't mm-hmm. make – it's kind of funny. It's campy. Sure. But, but it gets old. It gets old. And so that, that's what with this show we wanted to add a little bit more dimension, even though it's comedy. And we, there are arcs to it. Even the cartoons that you guys see within the, within the show – from week to week, don't they have an arc to it as well? There's an arc, like like, yeah. like if you guys watch all 13 episodes, the cartoons that the Aquabats watch in the show have its own arc to it. It's almost like a parallel storyline that's going on featuring the Aquabats in a really cool anime style. Like, yeah. like who did that stuff? Well, that stuff, there's is a that girl expensive as hell that, farming that stuff out? Well, a little it bit. It is good. It, it's, 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 I feel like you know that's one part, uh, you know, it, it turned out good, but I think... We farmed it out to a place called Cartoon Saloon in, in Ireland, and um, they did a movie called The Secret of the Kells. Did you ever yeah, see that yeah. movie? So they, they did the animation, and just they, I think they were a little bummed out about it, and we were too, that the schedule is so quick, and trying to do something like an a- anime style in Flash, it's, oh, Jesus. it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's real flat. And but I think they did a great job, and, and they, they've what? done a remarkable job. But the character is not all twenty-two minutes, and for what it is, it's great. Yeah, I'm but, not just buttering your butt. There. I'm stoked. Thanks. <laughs> and the character design is actually done by a girl named Eriko Uruma from Japan. We mm-hmm. were in Japan on tour. She saw us play. Her favorite band was Offspring. She saw us play, and she started putting up these awesome pictures of us on the internet. Like hmm. I just saw this band. They're awesome. And because I is that the one you guys doing the spread and jumping like the jumping jacks? Artwork? I think so. It's just it's real. Yeah. It's real Japanese. It's fantastic. It's really loud. Um, she she just liked our band, and so I contacted her, and because I speak Japanese, I started writing in Japanese, mm-hmm. 
And um, she was like blown away and we just started a relationship like over the internet and she started doing stuff with the band. And so I was like, you've got to do our cartoons, which is a cool story because she's the, a fan. It's that's not great. like – Like the Mega64 guys. Yeah, like and they're fans and we're working with them and mm-hmm. that, that, I think that's awesome. Like uh, why not? I think it There's a bunch of people that, that work on the, sh- yeah, that work you know on the I mean? show that, that discovered the Aquabats before and now they're working in the business and um, – they're fans, and so that's really fun. I won't reveal it, but I saw a section of a future episode where a immediately seeing that character in this part of a future episode, I said, oh my god, that's so-and-so from this very popular website. Yeah. And you were like, yep, and that's actually him playing the part, yeah. and da-da-da-da-da. Well, I can so, talk about it, but yeah. you know, um, Matt and Mike Chapman, the brothers Chaps, yeah. who do Homestar Runner, that's Strong it. Bad, that's it. They, um, they came out last year or two years ago and they were like hey we've been doing Homestar Runner for this long we've been doing Strong Bad for no, this long they've got long. games but, you yeah know. Let, let, we want to do some stuff and and we want to broaden our horizons and I was like well come out let's work on Yo Gabba with us so we had them write a couple episodes of Yo Gabba this season and also direct a couple episodes and um, because I've seen their stuff and they know how to, what they're doing they they're funny they're doing. they know how to tell stories and they know how to tell stories right. exactly so when we started doing the Aquabats I'm like Matt you gotta come help <laughs> and he actually directed six of the episodes or of these 13? yeah five Fantastic. of the episodes Fantastic. directed by Matt Chapman um, uh, and he also stars in two of them as different characters one of them you'll, <laughs> Quote, rec- unquote, you'll recognize characters, right no, guys. He plays a ghost, and he plays a guy named Carl. So I'll just leave it. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, um, and, and are these thirteen episodes going to run uh, all together? Or are we going to get a break? You guys don't know it yet. I don't know. I don't know Depends exactly, do. but I think the hub wants to roll them out uh, every two weeks or something like that. Right. So okay, you guys know what to set the DVR to. March third, the hub. I'm not going to act like a shill. I think you guys got just got a great episode. But that's the, that, I mean that's that's what I want you guys to do is DVR this episode and then um, are we guys gonna see you guys at WonderCon or anything? We, we've got a WonderCon booth. Any chance you guys are gonna? Yeah, yeah we, I mean, it's here in Anaheim. We're trying to get stuff going like that. We're trying to coordinate stuff between um, the Hub and Fremantle, who we're work, we're working with on the show. Right. Um, which ironically is the company that produces American Idol. Which I wasn't ragging on American Idol, but no. The show is definitely not. Had American you been younger, Idol. maybe you had, would have auditioned for. Yeah, American exactly. Because I'm such a great singer. <laughs> <laughs> but, Which, okay, I gotta, but, I gotta, but maybe Wonderco. I got to well, tell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I got to tell my Scott Kloppenstein story. Okay. So Scott from Real Big Fish, he and my my younger brother Tyler, who works on the show as well, and my brother Parker, who works on the show too, um, they work on Yo Gab as well. But anyway, Scott uh, and my brother Tyler went to school together, and they were best buddies at school, and so they were in junior high school, and I was like. 17, 18, not going to high school, even though I should have been. I was, I dropped out of high school. What the heck's going um, on there? So <laughs> I was just like skateboarding and yeah. surfing. And I hate it, you, Dad. I was, I was total delinquent. Yeah. So um, I was basically like Chet from yeah. Weird Science. <laughs> and they would be in the room playing like um, the first Zelda on Nintendo. What's up, dweebs? Yeah, and I'd be coming like, what are you, what are you doofuses doing? You know, like I'd, I'd, I would. Um, Pick on them. So uh, this is a story that Scott reminded me of. We were on tour with Real Big Fish on Scott's last tour in Uh Australia. Yeah. On Scott, and we we were there for Scott's last show, which is pretty rad. If you guys want to hear Scott's episode, it's literally I think thirteen episodes ago. We've had some really cool. If you guys are Scott fans listening to this for the first time, go back a couple episodes. We have Mike Park from Skink and Pickle and Asian Man Records on an episode. A couple episodes before that, we have Scott Kloppenstein. Um, And so what happened? So anyway, it was it was a Friday night. And my brothers, um, or my brother Tyler and Scott were over, and Scott was spending the night because they used to, you know, hang out and play video games all night on weekends. And uh, anyway, I was in my room doing whatever, and um, they, whatever. They, they knocked out. I don't know. <laughs> you know that that makes it sound like masturbation. <laughs> I know you're right. I was reading books. <laughs> I'm, I'm so horny. I'm gonna I, go beat up I, these kids. <laughs> I was reading books. But anyway, they they knocked on the door and they they were like, "Hey, um, Christian, could you?" Um, we want to go toilet papering someone's house. Could you take us? <laughs> and I was like, nah, no, like, oh, please. I'm like, I'll think about it. So I basically made them wait outside my door. I'm like, but you guys got to wait out here. So I went and wait outside my door for like maybe two hours. Jesus. I, I you was, think that they would have given up. I, I was cruel and unusual, but they were tenacious. Like, can we go? Can we go? And I wasn't doing anything. 
And in my mind, I think I was probably thinking like, wow, all right, you know. But Scott, I didn't remember this, but Scott reminded me because it was a big deal to him. <laughs> and he, he said he remembers being so excited because I said, okay, let's go. And I got him in the car and we drove to their friend's house. They were going to toilet paper his house. And they had mm-hmm. all this toilet paper. And they were like 12 years old or 13 years old. And I was, you know, 18 or whatever. And uh, I rem- he, Scott says, I was so excited to be in the car with you. And like, you're taking us as like cool older brother Christian. Like, he's awesome. And so we got to the house and they got out of the car to go toilet paper. I'm like, okay, go. I'll wait here. And so they, they got out and they started toilet papering. And about 10 minutes into it, I, I laid on the horn. And then I drove away. <laughs> Did they get busted? And I left them there, and they right. had to run home. They ran home. They didn't get caught, though. They didn't get caught, we don't know. But, but they were so bummed. <laughs> you were a dick. I was, I was kind of a mean guy. <laughs> I was a chet, for sure. So, and there's a little bit of that that shows up in the Bat Commander in the season, too. He's, he can be a little bit of a, a jerk, but he learns his lesson. Right. And, and, and that's a good thing, is I, I learned my lesson, and I apologize. And there's was, a lesson in kind of like, each I'm episode, I'm sorry, too. Scott. Like, that, that was so mean. And I, but, you know, it's part of growing up. Being a and you guys know from listening that I keep reminding Scott on every episode he's on that when I met you, you were on drugs and you had a torn up copy of Kevin Smith's first Daredevil comic <laughs> and, you, and you showed it to me like it was a pirate map. Like you were like, hey, check out this great comic and it was totally, I was horrified by it as a comic book fan because it had been treated so badly. Yeah. Scott's gone, he's gone through his own journey for That's sure. That's right. He's great, you know, he's got a kid now. And yeah, he talked about it in a couple episodes, guys. Really, if you, if you haven't listened to Geekscape before, jump on that episode. Um, it's it's pretty awesome. He, he plays a couple songs. He plays a couple songs that are not real big fish songs. Some really cool original stuff. Yeah, he's super talented. Super talented. But but we're here for the Aquabats, and you guys have your mission. Feb- uh, March third, the hub, DVR it, and then the Aquabats. And he, I mean, again, like WonderCon, we have a booth. If you guys want to come and hang out, I love sign to. a couple pictures. We, we, I think we're planning on being at WonderCon and Comic Con this year. And Perfect. every year we try to book the House of Blues in San Diego right by Comic Con. Right. So we'll we'll definitely. We, I know we have it on hold, but, and last year we did a, we did a panel, yes. which w- was really great. I, I didn't think anyone was going to show up. Oh, so absolutely not. Of course, I, they're going to be there. It's funny because we've been doing this for so long, and I, I, every show we show up, I get nervous, and I think no one's going to show up. Right. Like, pe- why, people well, you went through 10 years of like pushing, we did. We, you know we, we did go through some tough times. I call those the Limp biscuit years. Like yeah. The, those the Limp Bizkit years. <laughs> when Limp Bizkit was super popular, yeah. like, what the hell is going on with people? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. People were so into that, whatever that was called, yeah. new metal. and like, I think it was new metal, yeah. It was awful. And and uh, now it's like a bane and no one wants to talk about it's it. It's just date rape But rock. it was huge. It was, it was yes, huge. I know. And that, that was when we, that was like our toughest The only years. person who survived it was Kid Rock. That's true. And even then, he's barely, he's on life support system. <laughs> he survived in, it long enough to give birth to Eminem. He's in Iraq, I think, playing for the troops. He's a country, you know, now he's a country artist. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a country guy. He even uh, abandoned new metal, I think. Right. But yeah, that was tough years for the Aquabats because uh, there wasn't too many uh, fans. Yeah. Well, I mean, you learn at San Diego that it's over for, for now. For now. For now. For now. For now. <laughs> yeah. So, but then, you know, the, the, we, we try to play Comic-Con, and we, we still do okay. So. so the website, what's the best website for people to, to check you out? We're reskinning and redoing the Aquabats.com. Um, I know there's stuff, there's promos and stuff for the show on Hubworld.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also um, like, stuff through uh, Merch Now and Fearless. Fearless.com, we did our last record with mm-hmm. Fearless. And we've done a couple records with Fearless, and that, that's the one place that's always been there for the Aquabats. They were the first place we did a, a record deal with at Fearless Records. Bob Becker, Bob Becker was the yeah. first guy to come to our show and go, I want to sign you guys, and we did our first record with him. And, um, and I feel bad for Bob because he's, he's, we've never really slipped through his fingers. We always, we always like skidded yeah. away from him. And he was always like, I can – and we were like, oh, well, we're going to check out Golden Boys. We're going to check out Nitro. We're going to check out this. And he, Bob's always been there for us. And so I think we're going to stick with Bob for a while because he's a good guy. So, And I, I wish all our records with, with Bob now in hindsight. I have a Bob Becker story. He's a and funny guy. It, no, he's a funny guy, but he got in my face. And I actually have to thank him for it. Really? Yes. And, uh, and if Bob is listening, he'll, he'll remember this. And, uh, and I don't think I've ever told the story, but – uh, Fearless put out a band that was literally my favorite band, Dynamite Boy. Uh-huh. And they're from that, yeah. they're from Austin. I literally spent hundreds of dollars this past January just to fly to Austin to see a reunion show of them. And I was one of these little jerks, early twenties, on Absolute Punk, 
oh, why doesn't Dynamite Boy get more attention? Why doesn't? And I just didn't understand how things worked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I can tell that to you now, Bob. But, um, but I just didn't understand how things worked. And I was one of these little shitheads on the internet who was like, you know, uh, why doesn't he give him more opportunity? Why doesn't he give him more opportunity? Why, why aren't they on this comp? Why aren't they? Why don't they have a music video? Da 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 da. And yeah. I was just this little s talker. And <laughs> and you guys see this on the internet. I mean, this is the. I mean, that's ninety percent of the internet. Yeah. And I remember going to a show uh, over here. What's the place uh, over here? The the concert chain reaction. Uh, chain reaction. Yeah. To go, to go see Dynamite Boy. They're in town. And Bob got in my face. And Bob totally got in my face. I mean, he wanted to beat me up. <laughs> Bob wanted to beat me up because you were talking trash. Oh, on and Bob. he goes, he goes, this little son of a, and he got in my face. This is ten years ago, basically. That's uh, weird because I, no, I know, I, I can't imagine, it, it, I can't imagine, imagine that, but I can't but I mean, imagine. I, I, but I think he'd be drinking, you know. What I mean? yeah, and I had yeah. talked to Bob before about how much I loved the band, da 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 da. Yeah. And Bob got in my face, and in all honesty, I said, you know what? I'm sorry. Because yeah. the truth is, guys, it wasn't that I was backing down. The truth is, I was sorry. I did, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, this is a human being who's running a label, just doesn't have the resources, yeah. and, off, and off of his experiences running the label, knows that this band is awesome, and he loves the band, but he needs other people to love the band, and until other people love the band... He can't do anything. He can't yeah. do the video. He can't put them on this yeah. comp. He, he, he's like, dude, I am trying. Yeah. And he got in my face, Christian... And he wanted his friend. I mean, he wanted his <laughs> friends to like beat me up. And I'm sitting there going, "Dude, I am sorry." And and it was pe- do not talk trash on the internet is what is my lesson. Yeah. That is the night, Bob Becker. I have to thank you actually. <laughs> like eight years later, I have to thank you. Um, a for not having your big black friend beat me up. <laughs> but but also like like don't talk trash on the internet. You know what yeah. I mean? Like 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 what a waste of time. Well, how much time do we think I wasted just sitting there being like, oh, like it wouldn't have gone anywhere. It was pointless. I think that's one of those things that I hope most kids get out of in this new generation. Before you get beat up. It's not even before you get beat up. It's just before you realize you've wasted so much of your life. What was I doing? Just spending your time like sending out negative vibes for no reason. That could have been a film script. Yeah, exactly. You know, like way to go, Jonathan. You wrote so many comments on Absolute Punk. And you could have written a film script. Exactly. You know who wins that battle? Bob Becker. Exactly. Like, Bob Becker has this little twerp writing about his band, plus or minus his label. You know what I mean? And that's what you got to figure, like, a lot of the trolls or a lot of, like, negative comments or trash talkers on the internet, they got to be pretty young. Because to spend so much time, like, we get it on Yo Gabba Gabba on the YouTube, like, you have a clip and they'll be like, this show sucks, or effing, I hate this show, and it's like... It's for little kids. You right, know? Like, right. What do you expect? Why, what do you think? It's for four-year-olds. Like, this show is dumb. It's for four-year-olds. Like, really? You spent... <laughs> Who's truly dumb in this situation? You spent 30 seconds of your life wasting your breath, like wasting your fingertips. Right. Like, give me a break. And, and, and that, uh, that's what I think is also funny about news. Like, you'll read news like, Osama bin Laden is dead. And then there'll be uh, this... A thousand Hell comments yeah. or like, you know, well, here's what I think, you know, well, who cares what you think? Like, it doesn't matter. But, you know, people, there's a forum and people want to talk. That's I made fine, a comic but... book. I'll, I'll give you the comic book. I brought it doesn't change things. the fact that Osama Bin Laden is dead. I, I made a comic book fictitiously <laughs> making the scenario where, where Bin Laden dies. And then literally as soon as, it, like four days after it got solicited in Diamond, the comic book mag- like, like yeah. catalog, Bin Laden died. <laughs> and I was like, that's all right, funny. I made a comic. <laughs> Oh, um, that's funny. Well, I mean, you know, I, I so I try not to I try not to spend any time reading them so that I'm right. not equally hypocritical. Yeah, reading the comments might be just as yeah, bad. Yeah, I just read the, the news and go go forward. But well, Christian, we, uh, so I'm sure there'll be some critical uh, critical comments about the Aquabat Super Show whatever. that are negative or positive. But I just hope people like it and the people that like it have a good time and enjoy it. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure you guys are going to like it, the Geekscapist. So uh, again, March third, the Hub. Set it up on your DVR or watch it live, whatever. Go to um, theaquabats.com, hubworld.com. That's where you can find more information about the show and the band, right? Yes. And yeah. then you guys, uh, you guys are on Twitter as the Aquabats. Yeah, and we'll get better at Twitter. I'm, yes. I'm seriously not very good at Twitter or Facebook because I'm <laughs> writing stuff or doing right. stuff. Right. I don't have time to like. I, I don't. Know. I'll, I'll get better at it. 
So, guys. Um, and that's this, important to our society. <laughs> this is Geekscape. We've got more episodes coming up. Uh, I'm Jonathan. You can follow me at Jonathan London and send me an email at Jonathan at Geekscape.net. We have a new Geekscape website premiering this week at Geekscape.net. And of course, we're Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Just search for Geekscape. You'll find us. Thanks for listening. And uh, thanks, Christian, for coming on. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> John. All right. See you, dudes. Oh.